I'm tired out. I have too many props this morning coming up here along with me. Um, I got to tell you right now, you're nervous right away when you show up and these are on the seat. What, the speaker's boring this morning? We got to give you Legos to keep you entertained and keep you here? I, I don't know what it is. If you didn't find one on your seat, it is someplace implanted in your rear end. <laughs> Reach back there, peel that off. We want you to hold on to that. We're going to get back to that a little bit later. I guess it is in case we get a little bit boring, right? You're nervous because you got Legos on the seat, chocolate's coming next week, and then for crying out loud, how can you compete with babies? You can't do that. It's, there's, there's not a chance. But uh, hey, my name is Joel, and uh, I occasionally fill in at Bridgewater um, Conklin, and uh, I've spoken up here a couple of times over the last few months, and it is such a pleasure, and it is such a privilege to be back here with you this morning. Absolutely loved singing with you this morning. That was, that was tremendous. Um, just sat over there a couple of times, and uh, as, these guys, as, this, as this band up here, they did a great job leading you. I hope you, ha- I hope you appreciate that. I'm very thankful for the time and the work that they put in on a regular basis. Um, as, as we get started this morning, I, I just want to let you know we are in week two of this series that the, we have uh, titled The Fight of Your Life, and it is really taken from this book right here. And uh, I know that Brett mentioned this book last week. I just want to mention to it to you again. I'm, I'm certain that as I hold it up, you can see it, right? No, yeah, your eyes aren't. Okay, yeah, up in the front. There you go. Sit in the front. That's right. In the front, you can see that. But the book is I Declare War, and it is by Levi Lusco. And uh, this will be setting in the back. Uh, if you would like to take a look at that afterwards, if you would like to take a picture of it and order it later this week or something like that, maybe an audio Um, whatever it is that you like to do with books, but we'd encourage you, this series is taken from that. Um, I'd encourage you to look at that book right there and get that as well. Um, As we get started, it is a wonderful thing to think about. We have to declare war, right? I'm looking to fight, the fight of your life. What is the fight of your life? Last week, the the fight of your life was on this idea of the lies that we believe, right? The lies that we believe, the lies that we catch on to, and the lies that catch hold of us. So we want to be prepared that we are going to be part of the fight of our lives. And, <clears throat> and as we do that, let me, excuse me, just one second. There we go. See, I tired myself out running over here. If you're nervous today, by the way, right, you're, you're nervous when somebody brings a bat into church, when somebody brings a little box there, um, this is all, if you don't behave, I'm just going to, you never know what happens there. Um, no, I shouldn't, you shouldn't walk into church and feel threatened or anything like that. But as we talk about the fight of our life, the fight of our life, that, that is what you and I, that is what we are a part of. And this Christian walk, if you were a follower of Jesus Christ, or if you were somebody who is just here because you want to, you, you know what, my, my friends have invited me out, or I've been invited out because my family, because I'm part of the family that is having this dedication. We are so happy to have you here. And, and I say that because of this. I, I believe that the, the fight of your life, what we are talking about today, it's important for followers of Jesus Christ, but it is equally helpful for each one of us. And, and these are words of Paul. Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. Um, he was a follower of Christ. As a matter of fact, Paul was one of the individuals. His life was miraculously changed. He hated the church in the first century. Hated it. He persecuted believers. He persecuted. As a matter of fact, he was on the way to persecute church people, grab Christians, and throw them in jail 
when God miraculously changed his life. And then Paul winds up writing a great portion of what we call our New Testament, the scriptures that we have, the New Testament that we carry with us. And in that, Paul says these words. This is Paul, the person that wrote so much of our New Testament, so much of what we follow, of what we try to believe. Paul said these words in Romans 7, verse 21, and these will actually be up on the screen with you, for us as well. And he said this, so I find this law, right, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Is that true of any of us here today? Right? You want to do good and all of a sudden, uh, bad is right next to me. And then I'm like, oh, I choose bad instead. Paul, we're in good company because Paul the Apostle was with us in that. And, 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 as he, and as he says that, as he continues on from that, he says, For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law that is at work in me, right? I delight in God's law, right? I want to do good. And, and that's within me. And, and I see this within me. But there's something else that's waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law that is at work within me. I'm caught. I'm stuck. I want to do good. And yet bad is right there next to me. For some of us, if you've been a parent long enough, we see that in your kids at times, right? Would you not do what's wrong all the time? Can you choose the right? But you know where they learn that from? It's amazing. They learn it from adults because we have the same problem. Sometimes we're just a little bit better at covering it up and hiding it. So in week one of this series where we are going to do this battle, we talked about, Brett talked last week here about the lies, right? The lies that we believe. We believe lies about ourselves. We believe lies about others. We believe lies about God. We believe things like, can God really forgive me of that? I can't be forgiven of that. Nobody sees who it is, who I am. Sometimes we believe lies thinking that we're better than we are or thinking that we're worse than we are and we beat ourselves up or we exalt ourselves and we walk around in pride or we walk around in shame and sorrow and guilt all the time. We hold on to lies instead of the idea that we have a Savior who has forgiven us. Well, this week I, I get the privilege, I get the privilege of doing the one that I am most qualified to talk about. The fight of your life, my mouth. And when I say I am most qualified to talk about it, I assure you I am not most qualified to talk about it. Before I walked in the door this morning, I insulted the greeter. Knowing what I'm speaking on, I insulted the greeter. How, how do you do that? Right? Well, it was Bob. It's pretty easy. No, 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 right? That's... Now, I was told this. I, I was told by a credible source that since it was outside the door, it's okay. <laughs> Is that not true? That's not the way it really works? Right? I, I, I get there. In, in your mouth, right? How about some of you? Maybe, maybe some of you, you might be a little bit better. My, my wife and I, we have to go down to Lancaster today. And, uh, and I'm sure, as on, on our way to Lancaster, we're, we're headed down there. I'm sure that I will instruct some drivers along the way. By the way, I just want you to know I just sang praises to God this morning. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I will, I will instruct some drivers on how it is that they should drive. Any of you do that on your way to church this morning? Yeah, you had to instruct some of them, correct? Isn't that the way? Our, our mouths are powerful. They have the ability to build up and they have the ability to tear down. I have the ability to say some of the dumbest things. And then you're there like, what in the world did I just do? Guys, have you ever asked a woman, hey, when are you due? 
You know where that was going, doesn't it? All right, where it, didn't you? How many times do we do that, guys? The average and the smart guy only does it once. <sighs> anyway, I'm, some of us were above average, right? We're, we're above average. We just, we just do well. We, we ruin the curve, and we like to break the curve. So I'm going to start right out, and we're just going to get right to, the, right to the first point of what we're talking about this morning. It's this. Do I own my mouth, or does it own me? Right, my mouth, this thing right here. Do I own it? Or does it own me? Does it write checks for me that I just can't cash? Right? Are, are you in that ballpark? Is that what you do? Is that where you're at and, and you get stuck with that? We have somebody that writes and is going to give us some great instruction, and it's James. I want you to know when we look at the idea of James, this is James. He is the brother of Jesus Christ. So I want you to think about James. Growing up, he grew up with Jesus. James is the half-brother of Jesus, right? The, he's the son of Mary, both the son of Mary, all right? And growing up, he always faces the words, why can't you be more like your brother? Yeah, well, he's God. I'm not, right? But growing up, James didn't believe that he was God. As a matter of fact, there was a point where they're, they're there like Jesus, and they're all trying to drag him away. They're like, what are you doing? You're embarrassing the family. Knock it off. But later in life, James is there with his mom, and he sees his brother crucified. And guess what happens? Three days later, he sees him risen. Or maybe a week later when James saw him. James sees him risen, and suddenly his life has changed. Changed. James, all right, the James that we are going to look at here this morning, he died believing that his brother was his Lord. He died believing that his brother was God. Anybody here willing to die believing that of their brother? <laughs> Raise your hand. I want to meet your brother if that's the case, right? Yeah, that, that's not the way we look at things, is it? And yet James, he saw his brother. He saw his brother crucified, saw him risen, and he goes for the rest of his life proclaiming the hope, proclaiming the truth, my brother is risen from the dead. If that's not something that changes your mind that you have to think about, are you kidding me? That's what, yeah, James, all right? First century, he was a martyr for Jesus Christ. He was, a, he was a pastor at the early church in Jerusalem. And later in his life, he is going to be martyred. Why? Because of his belief that his brother was God. I don't know. I'm not willing to be part of making up a story that great that my brother's God. If my brother wants to make up a story that I'm God, I might go along with him on that one a little bit, right? But I'm not, I don't even think I'm willing to go to my death if my brother wants to declare that of me, right? I'm not willing, no, it's not true, don't kill me, I'm, I'm not, all right? But James did. And these are the words that James says. James says this, my dear brothers, take note of this in James 1, verse 19. And I want to encourage you, if you are here, if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to open that up. James chapter 1 this morning. If you use your uh, iPhone, whatever device it is that you may have along with you, you can open that up. We're going to be going right through mostly James a little bit later. We're going to go into some of the Gospels as well and back into a passage of Paul. But these verses will all be up here as well. But I would encourage you to follow along, however it is that you like best. But James says these words in, in, in James chapter, chapter 1, verse 19. He says this, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, right? And slow to become angry. I got to tell you, James, I am really good at some of this right here. If you just change the words a little bit, like if you say quick to speak, 
quick to be angry and slow to listen, I do that part really well. All right, anybody else in here with me on that one? You do, the, you do those parts really well, right? So maybe James, maybe in translation, we just got some things messed up, right? No, James has given us the opposite. Why? Because he knows. He's human. He knows. He knows we are quick to get angry. We are quick to speak. We are quick to blurt out what we think, quick to blurt out what we believe. And James says that's not the way it ought to be. You know what? You need to be slow, slow to speak, quick to listen, right? Slow to become angry. Isn't that the way that we should be? Yet we don't like it that way so well. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Do I own my mouth or does it own me? That's what we want to look at this morning as we go through these passages here in James. Uh, We're going to jump over to James chapter 3 because James is going to say some things here that gives us some more instruction on how it is that we deal and how it is we we work with our mouths. And he says this in James chapter 3 verse 2. He says this to, to the people that are reading it there, to the people that he is giving this to, and to us today. We all, uh oh, what does that mean? means all of you, not the speaker up front. No. We all stumble in many ways, right? All of us. That's pretty much all inclusive. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to, a, able to keep his whole body in check. Any, any men in here, any men, women, any of us perfect with that one? We're not willing to raise our hands. Why? Because we know that's not the case. We're, we're not able. This thing gets us. Some of you are a lot better than some of us, and we are thankful for that. And some of us, we continue to be a work in progress. But James is saying it's all of us, right? James, the brother of Jesus Christ, the one that grew up with Jesus Christ, the one that was there with him at the crucifixion, the one that saw him crucified, the one that saw him risen again, that one right there says, guess what? Even in my life as an older man, I still stumble. We all stumble. We can't control this. And he continues on. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey this, we can turn, to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, right? We take a bit and we put it in the mouth of a horse. And James is there. We're able to control this animal. And it does whatever it is that we want him to do. We just had these two little kid children dedicated this morning. And I don't know about their parents, but maybe someday they'll want them to ride a horse. And maybe some of you have been people who ride horses growing up. And here's a picture. That animal probably weighs somewhere in the range of 1,000 pounds, 800 to 1,200 pounds. And yet we have some little 40-pound girl up on that who in the world is a bad parent allowing such a little kid on something so big? And yet we would all do that. Why? If our child wanted to ride a horse, we would train them. We would take them, help them learn how to ride a horse. And we feel safe and confident in it. Why? Because we know with that bit in that mouth, that horse has been trained, and we can control that. A little tug on the reins this way, guess what? There it goes. A little tug this way, guess what? It's going to go this way. A little kick here, a little kick there, right? It's going to pick up a little instruction here. And that horse can be contained. And James is taking something that they're aware of. Listen, he's taking something right in their day. He's taking an illustration. Look, 
we can control this huge horse. It'll do whatever it is that we want it to do. All we have to do is put a bit. All we have to do is put this bit in its mouth, and it'll do whatever we like. James continues on, and he says this, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. What is he talking about? He's talking about ships of that day, right? The ships of that day, they were controlled by wind, they were controlled by a rudder, or maybe some people that are rowing. But that small rudder in the back, that would pretty much direct that ship wherever it is that they wanted them to go. And right here is a, is a drawing of what would have been a first century ship, as, uh, from what, when I Google, at least Google says it was, okay, so it must be. Because Google says it. But a ship like this would handle about 200 people along with cargo. And they'd move them along the Mediterranean Sea, taking goods from Egypt up along the coast of Israel, over to Corinth, and hopefully on to Rome. That was the idea of getting trade along, getting people moved along, moving people along throughout the Mediterranean Sea basin. And they would load them into the ship, and they would take them wherever they go. And guess what? It's just this little rudder right back here in the back. What? That whole ship? Yep. We know that the wind is going to grab and pull those sails, and yet that little rudder right there in the back is what's going to steer and direct this thing. It's what the captain of that ship is going to use to guide the ship where he wants it to go. Small, and yet it's able to control something so large, right? Ships other than buildings would have been the largest things that they had in that day. And that is what they do, and they guide, and they take that ship right through. But James, he continues on. Right? He uses things that they know and he says this. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by just a small spark. Just a small spark can set something on fire. And we are all aware of that, right? Because every year we see forest fires across the western part of our nation. How are they started? Just a small, small spark gets something started. Maybe it's a celebration. Maybe it's a celebration. I hope we don't have a fire detector in here. We're going to be in trouble. You're going to be out early. Don't smile about that, right? Small spark. I think one of them was it last year or two years ago, set off how? As somebody was doing it, yeah, doing a baby reveal, something so exciting, something so lovely, something that they so desired to get started with, just a baby reveal sets off and destroys, destroys thousands and on thousands of acres. You know, forests weren't as common where James, outside of Jerusalem, that's not an area where forests were. So the people there, as James was writing this, they might not have been as aware of what we are of this, but we see that. We see what it is. And James is there like, listen, that's your tongue. Your tongue's able to do that. Your tongue is able to set a fire, set a raging fire. How do we do with it? He continues on in verse 6. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts just the tongue part of the body, right? No. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. And it itself is set on fire by hell. What is he saying? Our tongues have so much control. Any, anybody here ever divorced a tongue? You ever hear of somebody? That, yeah, we, uh, me and my husband are still together. I just divorced his tongue. 
Yeah, it doesn't happen, does it? Did you ever get sent to the principal's office, or did you ever get in trouble sent down to the principal's office? Well, it's just your tongue. We're not worried about anything else. It's, right? He was talking back. It's just his tongue. The rest, no, our tongues, right? Our tongues can get us fired. Our tongues can get us a job. Our tongues can get us in trouble with our spouse. Our tongues can get us in trouble with our children. Our tongues can get us in trouble with our parents. It's our tongues. It's the words that flow out of these, right? And it's this thing right here that we can't control. And James is making the point of letting us know, look, it controls your whole life. Be careful. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Check out this picture. This is SeaWorld. This is Shamu. My family, uh, we, went, we went out to SeaWorld a number of years ago. Uh, when, our, when our fellows were young, and Shamu was absolutely incredible. I don't think they're able to do all the things that they used to do with that anymore, but Shamu was absolutely incredible. He'd come out, and for some of the instructions, he'd slap and make and splash the people, right? That was amazing how they do that. He comes over and gets a treat. They pet him on the little, they give him a little pat, right? Um, and at one point, there's a, there's a spot in the show back then where somebody's down in the water, and they come right up out, right on the tip of his nose there. Somebody will come right up out on the tip of his nose. Amazing. We're able to control this huge, huge animal. All kinds of animals, James says. Birds, reptiles. I, I don't think James was talking about SeaWorld, by the way. Um, that's me pulling that from today. But we're able to control animals, Right? But we're not able to control this, our tongues. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human, no human being can tame his tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. This thing in our mouth that's made up of muscle. By the way, this muscle never tires out. You already knew that, didn't you? All right? The rest of your muscles, they might be tired, but at the end of the day, that one can still work, right? It can still fire. It can still go. And it just continues. And yet James compares it to a restless evil full of deadly poison. Do I own my mouth or does it own me? Which is it for me? How do I roll? How do I go? You know, sometimes with our mouths, we say things because we get angry, and we, and we say things like, I didn't mean it. I was angry. Or I'm telling the truth, because if I'm telling the truth, it means that I can just blurt out whatever I want, especially when it's my truth, because I designed the truth to be whatever truth it is that I want it to be. With the tongue, going back to what I mentioned earlier, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings. I come in and I sing praises here, and on my way home, I'll let the driver know what I think of his driving. On my way home, I'll let my wife know, or I'll let my husband know what I think of him, or I'll tell my kids what I think of them. And my tongue, it just goes and it goes. We, the, we curse human beings who have made, been made in God's likeness. And James says it ought not to be. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And the answer, the, cure, the, pure, the clear answer to that is no. Water can't flow from both of them. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? Or a, grape bear, or a, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can the salt spring produce fresh water. So James, what's the answer? Verse 13, 
oh, it's not the answer. He just changes topics. And maybe that's where we ought to leave it. What's James saying? We can't control our tongue. It's something that we wrestle with for our lives. The cure is that we need to be ones that are willing to guard and pay attention and hear what it is that we are saying. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. So not only do I own my mouth or does it own me, but our next point that we want to look at this morning is this. Will my words build up or tear down? Will they build up or will they tear down? You see, Jesus said this, no good tree bears bad fruit. All right, he made that a very clear statement. No good tree bears bad fruit. All right, they're all known by what fruit they bear. Jesus continued on in that same passage by saying, the good man brings good things out of the good that is stored up in his heart. What's he talking about? This speaks from what's down here. Will my words build up or will they tear down? Paul, again, said it this way. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Right? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let me quickly just show you this. This is a little Lego thing that my son still has. All right, it was up in his room, and I grabbed this this morning because I thought Legos, we're going to have those here. See, I actually knew about those this morning. So it wasn't just, all right. But we had Legos, all right. And one of the things when my kids were growing up, my oldest son, he used to build really nice things like this, this next one. This is like a Lego, uh, Star Wars, something there with Star Wars. And, and, and our oldest son had something like that. And he didn't want his younger brother to play with it. And it used to bother me. Why can you not let your younger brother play with it? Well, because his younger brother would destroy it. All right, let me set this over here for display. This is a little batting tee. All right? Oh. And this is my bat. My bat's made for things like this. Anybody ready to catch? No? Yes? There you go. <laughs> now that was just a play. What if I took this and I just come right up here and you guys were, you didn't even flinch. Huh? <laughs> they didn't even flinch. They were ready for that, right? If I come right up here and just smash his Legos, what are we going to think? That's correct. That... That's the best answer of the morning, that I don't care. And yet with my words, I will come right up in something that somebody has taken the time to build. They're building their lives. I will come right up and I'll take the, batting, the baseball bat of my mouth and I'll just smash it. Right? Our words, they can, be, they can be used to build up. They can be used to tear down. What is it that we're doing? How is it that you're doing? How is it that I'm doing? Am I using them to build people up? Am I using them to tear people down? We put that Lego on your seat this week, and that was sitting right there for you to take with you. We, we want to encourage you. Take that with you. Put that someplace. Maybe it needs to go on your desk at work to remind you, are my words building up, or am I taking a baseball bat to something that somebody's built with Legos? Are my words used to encourage my family, or are my words words to just tear them down on a regular basis because I want to make myself look better? Take that Lego. 
Set it with you. Set it, set it someplace that, where you're going to see it. Set it someplace where it's going to mean something to you throughout the week. I don't, I don't know. Maybe you want to drill a hole and wear it around your neck. You got a Lego around your neck. Maybe that's what you want. Um, maybe it's on your dresser so you see it in the morning. Maybe it's someplace that means something to you, but you're going to take the Lego and you're going to say, you know what, how are my words doing? Do they build people up or do they tear people down? Maybe, maybe we need to have this as our prayer. Heavenly Father, help me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And help me to use my words to build others up. You know, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And with a group of men that were soon going to betray, the, betray him, that were going to leave him, that were all going to run, he said, you know what? A new command I give you, that you love one another. And Jesus restored each of those disciples, and they went on to change the world. Would you pray with me, please? God, as we close our time together this morning, and Lord, as we get ready to lead into this time of communion, Lord, may we love you, may we desire to follow you, may we desire to serve you. God, I say thank you for each one that is here this morning, and I pray that you might help us to be people who guard our mouths, who guard our tongues. God, help us to say, Heavenly Father, help me to be quick to listen, help me to be slow to speak. Help me, Lord, to build others up with my words. And I pray this in Jesus' name.